But it's now time for the business news. I'm joined by RNZ business editor Giles Beckford. Kia ora, Giles. Kia ora to you, Charlotte. The finance sector is facing a solid shake-up from the new government. Yes, uh, we all knew it was coming, and uh, there's some pressing issues in there. Uh, National, before the election, sort of laid out what it planned to do. And this morning, Consumer Affairs Minister Andrew Bailey's put some flesh on those policy bones. He's aiming to cut red tape, cut costs, and simplify the rules for getting consumer credit, uh, as well as streamlining the regulation of the finance sector. Now, he's aiming for what he calls twin peaks. And that would see, on the one hand, the Financial Markets Authority supervising how firms and banks treat their customers and do they have the necessary codes of conduct and procedures. And on the other side, the Reserve Bank would uh, make sure that they have the financial strength to do business. We have a prudential regulator being the Reserve Bank. We have one single conduct regulator, which we're proposing to be the FMA. ComCom, or Commerce Commission, which I still have responsibility for, continues its very important role in enforcement. And that that's the clarity we want to have. So everyone knows that's who I'm accountable to. And at the moment, uh, if you talk to a number of people out there, they will have three regulators. And that's not right. Well, Andrew Bailey says the aim is to encourage more businesses to offer financial services. And the Financial Market Authority's role and focus will change under these proposals. It will be expected to set, guide and supervise the financial industry's conduct as well as take responsibility for the consumer credit laws. Although the Commerce Commission, which currently has responsibility in that area, would still be the enforcement agency. The authority's chief executive, Samantha Barris, says its approach will be to get along finance firms. For us, it's about the guidance that we will issue, but critically, it's about the um, support on the ground that we will provide. So it's not just gui- it won't just be written guidance. It's the person on the end of the phone. It's the person coming into your region from the FMA to support you in your in, in your licensing approach. We want to, you know, from a from a good outcomes perspective, it is actually much better if a firm is focusing on what they're delivering to support great outcomes for their customers, and not how many boxes they need to tick and and, and dealing with the compliance, because that takes focus off the things that really matter. Samantha Barrow says it will need to talk to the government about making sure it has the resources to cover new responsibilities. Well, a variety of responses to what's being proposed. The head of banking at KPMG, John Kensington, is waiting for the details where he suspects the devils might lurk, but says at first reading the proposals would bring needed clarity and simplicity to the financial sector. It's probably around giving guidance around those types of things, some of the really sort of detailed, pragmatic, actual coalface things they have to deal with. And probably the second part is just making sure that people aren't having to report to more than one regulator about the same thing. So try and get that reporting into one regulator's uh, uh, ambit, if you like. I I think uh, any change that can make the doing of business more, uh, make it quicker, make it more simple, without losing any of the safeguards has to be a bit of a, uh, an advantage, I think. Well, Financial Services Council, of course, is prominent in the sector. Its executive director, Richard Clippen, says the proposals will help streamline compliance costs and make it easier to provide services to consumers. He says the government appears to have struck the right balance. I think getting the balance right is my takeaway. Um, and, and the balance right means balancing the needs of serving consumers and at the same time as that protecting them. 
That's Richard Crippen from Financial Services Council. Council. Andrew Bailey says he hopes to change what he can by regulation in a matter of weeks, uh, but the bigger issues needing changes to the legislation will probably be mid-year or so. He also has his sights set on doing work on a review of the Companies Act, wondering whether it's still fit for purpose, and also KiwiSaver settings and whether some changes are needed there, remembering one of the election promises from National was that uh, perhaps investors in KiwiSaver should be able to have money in more than one provider. Well, Transparency International says New Zealand has to improve its game to restore its reputation as a corruption-free place to do business. The latest annual survey by the not-for-profit group shows New Zealand slipping from its traditional top ranking for the first time in more than a decade. New Zealand was ranked third of 180 countries, but traditionally it's been ranked first or equal first with Denmark, which now has the top spot all to itself, with Finland now a clear second. The key difference from the past seems to have been a poor sub-ranking in the survey of executives about their views of doing business here and the integrity of institutions and processes. Transparency International's New Zealand Chief Executive Julie Haggie says there are some measures to halt the slide. There's good advice being given by the Auditor General and some reports they've done on public procurement uh, last year and some very good recommendations from the uh, Infrastructure Commission and there's good uh, recommendations from the uh, IPCA, the Independent Police Conduct Authority, report on, on the management of how to, how to address the scamming that's happening. Uh, and so I think there is already there are already recommendations out there in reports, and I think we just need to pay attention to those and actually put them into place. That's Julie Haggie from Transparency International. 25 minutes past 12, time to catch up on financial markets. I'm joined by Belinda Stanley of Craig's Investment Partners. Kia ora to you, Belinda. Kia Giles. Uh, right, well, we've, um, we've been reasonably positive in the past week or so, but when I looked this morning, we seem to have a bit of a slide. Uh, how bad is it? Yeah, well, the market's just down half a percent. The NZX 50 down 61 points at 11,853. A little bit softer across the board, I guess, ahead of a lot of economic data uh, to come out here and offshore over the next few days. So just looking at some of those leading stocks, we've got Auckland Airport, they're down 4 at 8.41. Contact Energy down 8 cents at 8.08. Fletcher Buildings down 10 cents at 4.58. But from Paykel Healthcare, they're up six cents at twenty three eighty four. We've got Meridian down seven at five uh, fifty seven. Main Freight's down eleven cents at seventy ninety nine. Ryman Healthcare's just down two at five seventy two. Sparks down five and a half cents at five twenty six. And Somerset they're down nine cents at eleven dollars. What's it looking like in Australia? Yeah, a little bit softer over there as well, just down about a third of a percent. The S&P ASX 200 is down 23 points at 7576. Just a couple of stocks there. BHP, they're down 31 cents at 46.74. CSL are down $1.27 today at 295.47. Telstra is down 3 at 3.99 and Zero is down 99 cents at 109.99. Right, yeah, all the nines. How's the New Zealand dollar doing? Yeah, the currency is a little bit weaker against all our trading partners. Uh, against the US dollar, we're currently at 0.6132. 
against the Australian dollar, 0.9289. The euro's at 0.5653. The pound, 0.4829. The yuan, 4.40. And against the yen, we're at 90.46. Leaving us with interest rates, oil and gold. So that five-year swap rate uh, unchanged today at 4.32%. 90-day bank bills are 5.70% and Brent spot oils up slightly at 86.72 a barrel. Um, We've got gold just down marginally at $2,035.94 an ounce. Thank you very much. Belinda Stanley from Craig's Investment Partners. Time to tell you that Air New Zealand's making some big claims about the value of its contribution to the economy. A report that it commissioned from consultants puts a $26.4 billion value on what it gives to New Zealand. Now, directly, it says the contribution from wages and uh, buying of services and products is $2.7 billion, roughly 10%. But then it says the value of carrying cargo is $3.3 billion. And then it adds in its role in tourism spending uh, and the contribution that makes to the economy, which is $14.6 billion. And on top of that, the company says that it also supports 130,000 jobs around the country. There they are, aren't they busy? We'll update the news and the numbers for you at around half past five in Checkpoint. But for now, Charlotte, that's business. Kira.